Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, my co-host Larry Dersham and I are very excited to bring you a very special guest tonight that's been in the news for years in a very public way, uh, in a public way that's reached the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm talking about Baker Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop and his lawyer, attorney Jake Warner. We're going to be talking to both of them the second half. So you are not going to want to miss that. They're going to talk about current developments and the latest and greatest new developments in a new case. But first, we are going to shift gears from the legal world to the entertainment world, and we're going to talk about Britney Spears. Now, many of us remember Britney Spears right from the beginning when she started performing when she was still a teenager. Many of us still think of her as a teenager. So when we read these news reports this week that remind us that she's 39 years old, we think, whoa, where did the time go? It's a good thing the rest of us haven't aged. But this is where we find ourselves back in the news again this week when she, for the very first time, spoke to the court about the conservatorship that she has been under for years. Now, Larry's gonna tell you a little bit more about conservatorships because he's actually done some himself, but this conservatorship is, let's say, the price of fame in terms of what were some of the underlying factors that led to some of the difficulties that required the conservatorship to begin with. Or did it ever require a conservatorship? Those are some of the very tough questions that are now being asked after we heard from Brittany herself this week express her total dissatisfaction about the level of control that she has been under for years. Now, the judge continued the hearing. There'll no doubt be um, some investigation. But if what she says is part of what she's endured for the amount of time she has, Larry, uh, as a lawyer that actually deals with conservators uh, and conservatorships, is this the way they're supposed to be run? It seems like it's been extended out uh, too long. Now, I don't know the the diagnosis that they made on her, but I think the initial diagnosis was dementia of all things, which is almost unheard of for a person so young as that. And uh, what's interesting about conservatorship, you apply for the conservatorship and you can have a conservator appointed for the estate. That's the property and the money coming in. And also separately, a conservator for the person. Or it can be the same conservator can be both over the estate and the person. In this case, it's been divided up. So her father has been appointed conservator over her estate. That's all of her money that she's bringing in. And there is a separate conservator appointed for her person. And uh, also there's a co-conservator appointed for um uh, her father uh, to 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 be along with the father, and that's the uh, Bessemer Trust, and so they they have two co-conservators of her estate, which is quite substantial, and then the conservator of her person, Jody Montgomery. 
So this is some of the issue. These are some of the issues that the court ha- is talking about. So she's worth she has, her estate's worth about 60 million. However, when you think about the rationale to impose a conservatorship to begin with, we think about something like this being reserved for the ill, for the old, for the infirm, somebody in an institution someplace, not somebody outperforming in Las Vegas for the last several years, paying a staff of her own, um, very articulate in court as she analogized her scenario as to human trafficking like, and that she's a prisoner. She was very strong and spoke in no uncertain terms and caught a lot of people off guard regarding the, the extent to which she has been really forced to live a certain life that she is not completely satisfied with. Let's say that's the understatement of the day. Although she did in a very endearing moment acknowledge uh, to the court that she probably does need counseling. I would say to her, Brittany, who doesn't? (laughs) Uh, It it very much humanized her as a person. God love her. And we really want to ensure that anybody that's subject to a conservatorship gets the type of care they need. And Larry, last I checked legally, isn't a conservatorship, at least if it's with somebody that is functional and is able to make a living for themselves, isn't there a path to independence built into the conservatorship procedure? Yeah, there actually is under the rules and the laws. And actually, they'll have somebody evaluate her on a regular basis. It'll be somebody appointed by the county. I believe she's in Las Vegas now that comes out at least on an annual basis, sometimes more often, that does an evaluation. And I believe that she may even have her own attorney. Uh, But it just seems so unbelievable that after all these years, she's still under conservatorship. But again, I don't know the details of her physical or mental state. Well, let me toss another factor into the mix that distinguishes Britney Spears from many other subjects that have conservatorships. Uh, Britney is a case where fame is fortune. So it is true that her parents want nothing but the best for her, so they say. And and we, we tend to believe that. We want to believe that. But they probably also have to make sure that she's not exploited by people in her life that are only after her money. And that's what we worry about. And that's why we worry about somebody like Brittany that became famous so young and then will probably, at least if there's any truth to the documentary, Freeing Brittany, which we all watch, you know, we want to make sure that she's kept safe from people that would swoop in and not have the good intentions that her family does. So is a conservatorship ever a vehicle to protect a famous person from others that would seek to profit off of that fame. I think it could be. I haven't actually researched this, but that would be an interesting research project. Because think of this, Wendy. She's been performing in Las Vegas for a number of years. I think they shut everything down, of course, because of the uh, pandemic as far as Las Vegas performers. But she was doing several shows uh, uh, an evening, uh, every every day, except for, you know, a weekend off. And uh, making lots of money doing these incredibly complex uh, uh, dance moves and, and singing. Yet they're keeping her under this conservatorship and she's making all this money. It's almost like she's a form of enslavement. I mean, arguably, you could almost that's argue that. That's what she said. Yes. That's, that's exactly what she argued. And for the very first time, You know, uh, we were given a little bit of a glimpse into what it's been like for her for so many years. She raised a couple of issues that really has a lot of people talking and concerned and wanting this to be investigated. She first of all talked about not being able to have children because there is an IUD that's been implanted and it's not being removed. She talked about not being able to see her boyfriend when she wanted. She talked about not even being able to say no to a choreographed dance move. Now, of course, there's this is one side of the story. And as lawyers, we always recognize 
that in a courtroom, we do hear necessarily often from lawyers and from others that are presenting their own side of the story. But if anything, Larry, it made us wanting to know more about why this conservatorship was established the way it has been, why it's been run the way it has, if it has, and what's next for Brittany. If, if half of this is true, Larry, what would the next step be conservatorship-wise as to what a judge, how you would petition a judge to make some changes? Well, she could petition or have her lawyer petition for a, for a hearing, and uh, you know that would be a, a proceeding. Now, it's not like a jury trial. Usually, it's just before one judge, and they will uh, you know listen to both sides and take you know expert uh, testimony from doctors and psychiatrists and so forth. And there there is a pathway out of this. I don't know how effective her counsel is. It seems like this has gone on too long. Uh, but it, I, I think because she's back in the news, I think there might be some momentum behind this. There's that, of course, free Britney campaign is happening. And uh, hopefully with enough pressure, she will be able to get a good hearing before a fair judge and uh, hopefully get out of this uh, this uh, conservatorship, which is so hey, Amen. Amen to that. And speaking of fair hearings and, and fair judges, um, the Court of Public Opinion has a decision to make, too, in California, does it not, sometime this fall? Oh, yeah, yeah, regarding uh, our, our governor. So uh, Governor Newsom, of course, they, they have actually uh, certified that there are enough votes. Now, they had a 30-day period where people from April 26th through June 8th could, were allowed to withdraw their signature to to uh, basically remove him from office, but I think only actually only 43, 40, 43 signatures people. So there's still one million seven hundred nineteen thousand nine hundred verified signers remain, which is, is all you need is one point five million. So they're well above that threshold. So it looks like there's definitely going to be a, um, a rehearing on that. And now, what's going to be interesting to to, to follow is the Republican candidates. I don't think any Democrats going to run against Governor Newsom, but the Republicans, there's a field developing and we're going to have to follow that, Wendy, because they each have very interesting personalities and backgrounds. So that's going to be something. You know, I always say that uh, uh, this type of a recall election really generates a colorful cast of candidates. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and this is no exception. So here are some of the issues that are raised. You know, on the one hand, we want to make sure that voters, if they are going to remember, there's two ways that this happens. First, they vote yes or no to recall the governor, and then they have to vote for a candidate. But unlike regular elections, there's no runoff. It's majority wins. And by the way, when Gray Davis was recalled in 2003, there was like 135 candidates there. And of course, uh, we all know who we ended up with, uh, um, the Arnold, as we say. Yes. But when we look at it in this instance, um, a couple of things that, that I, I would hope that our listeners would consider um, when this recall election is actually held in the fall. Yes, it's a colorful cast of candidates, but there are some serious candidates that are mixed in there. It's not difficult to get on the ballot, and you might imagine some might be trying to generate name recognition, even if the recall is unsuccessful, as it probably will be, because we have another election for governor next year, 2022. Yes. So we'll sort of leave it with that as we get ready for the second segment. But um, please keep your eye on this one, folks. I know everybody's upset about the... Uh, the way that the governor closed the state, but we'll see if they actually still feel that way in the fall. So stick around with us past the commercial break. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. We will be back in a flash.
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. We have two amazing guests with us tonight. Just as I queued up and teased up in the first half, we are very proud to have two superstars with us. Larry, who's on the line? Yes, uh, Wendy. Today we have with us Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop located in Lakewood, Colorado, and his attorney, Jake Warner, with Alliance Defending Freedom. In 2012, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission ruled against Jack for alleged discrimination based on sexual orientation in a place of business engaged in sales to the public. After he politely declined to design a cake to celebrate a same-sex wedding, the matter eventually made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where Jack, with the assistance of ADF, that's Alliance Defending Freedom, won the case. In the decision, Master Case Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission, and that was back in 2018. You'd think that that would have been the end of Jack's ordeal, uh, but it didn't. Uh, just uh, very recently, a trial court punished Jack uh, by uh, for not designing a custom pink and blue cake to commemorate, uh, commemorate a, uh, someone's gender transition. The activist attorney demanded Jack create the custom cake in order to test him and correct the errors of, I'm doing this in quotes, of his thinking, supposedly. And the attorney said, "If even if you win this case, Jack, I'm going to be back with another case. So, wow, the things uh. that you've been through. So welcome to this show, Jack and Attorney Jake. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having thanks us. For having us. Hey, yep. hey, Jack, before we get started on the legal issues involved in your case, and my goodness, we've all followed this for years, the twists and turns and the provocation and everything else you've had to endure. Um, we know you actually have a book out now. Congratulations. We were taking, Larry and I were Thank taking you. a look at that. I would love to know, you know, from a human interest perspective, because, you know, you become sort of a, a celebrity and people want to know more about you. And I'm just curious, how did you get into the cake baking business and your bakery seems somewhat unique in that you design special pastry creations for special events is that right yeah well when i was growing up and to junior high high school every class that i could i would take in the art room and then i needed a job and that's how i got into the baking thing a man that lived across the street from me owned a large wholesale bakery and he was gracious gracious enough to hire me and i soon fell in love with baking and then he bought out another bakery and I saw cake, deco- cake decorating, cake designing for the first time, and I knew that someday I would open my own uh, bakery. It would, I knew the name of it way back then, Masterpiece Cake Shop. Masterpiece says art, cake shop says cake, and I would use the uh, cakes as my canvas, my new canvas, and create art to help people celebrate special occasions. Awesome. Wow, wow that's amazing. Uh, Jack, not, not everybody listening in our listening audience knows your story. So I understand that since your first legal proceeding that occurred way back in 2012, that both you and your family have been subjected to intimidation and have even received death threats. Can you tell us a little bit about the harassment and tell us how you've been able to hold, uh, to hold up under those attacks? And I understand your faith has a lot to do with that. 
yeah, my faith compels everything I do from the way that I treat my employees, the way that I handle my money and work on my marriage and try to raise my kids. But it's my faith in Jesus Christ that uh, directs all those things. But mm. we knew when we opened the mm. cake shop that we would serve everybody. That's pretty obvious. We love to serve people, but we could not create every cake with, uh, that people ask us for because some messages we just could not uh, express. And the same, the same, thing, same thing happened with the uh, two men that came in in 2012 asking me to create a custom cake to help them celebrate their same-sex wedding. And so I tried to explain to them, but we didn't get a chance to get into conversation. They stormed out of my shop swearing at me within like 20 seconds. But uh, the, I would love to have the chance to explain about my faith, but in the sentence or two that I had with them, I told them, you know, I'll sell you birthday cakes, shower cakes, sell you cookies and brownies. I just don't create cakes for same-sex weddings. It's oh. 29 words altogether. But uh, it was because of the message of the cake. And for that, the uh, Civil Rights Commission found us guilty, uh, forced us to either start creating wedding cakes for every uh, wedding event that came in, regardless of the if it was same-sex wedding or whatever, and so the decision was if we're going to make wedding cakes, we have to make them all. And so we knew that that was an easy decision, but a costly one because wedding cakes were a large percentage of our income at the time. And I had, at that time, the day that the two men came in, I had 10 employees, and that went down to four, including myself. After that, like you said, uh, death threats one day shortly after this began. Um, I get a phone call, answer the phone, Masterpiece Cake Shop. This is Jack. Can I help you? Yeah, I'm in my car. I'm on my way to your shop. I've got a gun, and I'm going to blow your head off. Oh, oh gosh. You know, you know Jack, one of the things... Is just for trying to stand up for my, you know, trying to live by my faith. And living by your faith includes loving everybody. And that's one thing that you and your lawyer have been very good about expressing, that there is nothing about your refusal to participate in these ceremonies by baking the cake that de that degrades or devalues our love as Christians for every single person, just like God does. And I know that, you know, sadly, it sounds like you've received some horrible threats, but I also understand you received some support, um, both from, you know, the same-sex community and from others, just understanding that you're not out to discriminate against anybody. And it, is it true that you've also received a lot of understanding for your position? That's true. In fact, in our latest trial where we were just found guilty, and like uh, in the introduction, the attorney, it's an attorney who's suing me, uh, promised me face-to-face -face in a mediation uh, meeting between the, th the two of us that if I won this or if it was dismissed on any technicality or anything, I would get a call the next day and we'd get another cake order and we'd start all over. This person had also requested a cake um, celebrating Satan, smoking marijuana. We couldn't create that message. So it's been a long, crazy ordeal. But at the same time, in our trial back in March, um, a gay man, a former gay activist, uh, took the witness stand in our behalf and mm. stood up for us because he understood right. how important these rights are and that I serve everybody. I just can't create every, every message. Well, you, you think that... Um a lot of us think uh, the the common person that like you, a Supreme Court makes a decision and that settles it. It settles it for all states, uh, all localities. But it's almost like they're they're trying to go around the the, the initial decision, and uh, and they're they're coming back at you. It's, it's almost I know it's not quite like but it's almost like double jeopardy. I mean it's already been decided, but now they're coming at you from a different angle. And uh, I know you've got the best representation you could possibly have, but. Uh, it, 
it just seems so unfair that you can't just go on and carry out your business. And uh, Yeah, the government should not be able to force anybody to express any message. Free speech, we always understand that is I can say what I want, but it also means I can't be forced to say what I don't want. And so expressing these messages is where the government showed their hostility toward me and my faith and ultimately cost them, I think, the uh, Supreme Court victory yeah. that they wanted, and we got it instead because they were openly hostile to me and my faith. You know, it's interesting that um, you are so friendly to anybody that walks into your store and and asks for anything. Um, It's also interesting that uh, we do now see cases sort of like yours in terms of the issues that are being analyzed. I mean, last week we talked about the Catholic charity cases that you had the charity placing children but wouldn't do it with same-sex couples. And um, that was a victory there at the Supreme Court, but for other reasons. And it just seems like this issue between free speech and freedom of religion is one that is here to stay. Um, are you and your lawyers, it sounds like you're sort of um, ready to go in the game and uh, you are going to continue to decorate cakes as you're continuing new canvas. Are you not, Jack? <laughs> yeah, we are still, we're not creating wedding cakes right now until the litigation is finalized and ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, are, I'm sure, preparing right at this moment. I'm correct, Jake? <laughs> the appeal uh, to the Colorado <laughs> Court of Appeals, yeah, and they said that will be uh, filed in, in July, in the next few weeks, and they're dedicated to uh, a win in this case and ready to go forward. Jake, are you allowed to tell us what the next step is? Sure. We plan to appeal this case up to the Colorado Court of Appeals. Uh, You mentioned Jack's Supreme Court case a few minutes ago, and in 2018, the the Supreme Court handed Jack a big win. It was a 7-2 decision highlighting that the state of Colorado had been hostile to Jack and his faith. State officials had compared his plea for religious freedom to some of the worst events in history, like the Holocaust and slavery. But more than that, the state had discriminated against Jack. It allowed other Colorado cake artists to decline to create cakes that express messages in conflict with their beliefs declined to give Jack that same freedom, and that was a problem. And we see that same problem in this case. So what we hope is that on appeal that a court's going to recognize that this discrimination against Jack is still wrong, just like it was wrong in 2018. But more than that, we need the Supreme Court to weigh in and definitively say that the government has no power to compel people to express messages that go against their fundamental beliefs. And that protects people like Jack, but also other speakers like filmmakers and photographers and floors. And we're representing these kinds of people all around the country. That's great. Jack, we don't have much time left in the program, but do you have a book out, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that book? It just came out, I understand. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. And when I was first uh, proposed given the proposal to write a book, I thought, yeah, that might be a good idea so that my grandkids and my kids would understand the truth of what happened that day back in July of 2012. But then I realized that I had a much larger platform and I could, you know, tell the story to anybody who wants to read it and, you know, explain some of the, the problems with the, you know, the, um, the trials and different things and, you know, what it was like growing up, how I got into this business and how I decided to treat everybody equally and, and with respect and love because, that's my faith in Christ. So we had Amen a large platform and able to talk about a lot of different things in the story, in the book. In the name well, of the book? thank you. The name of the book is The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Led Me to the, Took Me to the Supreme Court. Thank you. Th- thank you so much for joining us, the both of you. And thank you to our listeners. You've heard two very high-profile, gracious guests, Jack and Jake. Thank you for being with us. 
Uh, please join us next week, everybody, for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a wonderful week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 